Welcome to Map It Marketing for small business owners who want to become more confident and capable in their marketing. I'm Rachel Claver, and I'm a small business owner just like you. I've learned that there are so many different things that we are supposed to do all the time. And trying to work it all out is quite frankly often very confusing. In this podcast, we're going to explore what those things are and whether you need to pay attention to them. Ready? Let's get started. I'm not sure if it's because for years I did it really tough. Like seriously, guys, there were times when I was a single mum and my power got cut off or um, I was struggling to pay for things. I'd go and travel away somewhere and be like, I don't have enough money to get out of this airport. Like it was pretty bad. Um, so I have done it tough. And trust me, I know what it's like to be a business owner that is not seeing success and you're putting everything into it. Um, so I don't know if it's because of that or it's my stubborn independence. But I really hate wasting money. Okay, I don't hate wasting money on clothes. Like I really love shopping for clothes. So I've, it's not a universal thing. But when it comes to business, I hate wasting money. Every bit of dollars that I spend on something else is coming out of my profit. And I like profit. I like to be able to pay myself for what I do too. So I want to make sure I save my money. Now, I've worked with so many businesses who've burnt through scary amounts of money on digital advertising and not really seen a lot of reward. It's actually really heartbreaking. And often one of the first things we do is slash those budgets, make some changes, and they're not allowed to spend money on ads until we do those changes first. And that's why I am so, so excited to have Joe Murphy with me today. I said in last week's podcast, I'm a bit of a fangirl of Joe. I've watched her for over two years give amazing, careful, and considered advice. She comes into Facebook groups and shares her immense knowledge for free. And she's so generous with it. And it's often not even to people who are her target market. She is someone I immensely respect and admire. Her niche is working primarily with environmentally friendly e-commerce businesses, but her advice is for all e-commerce businesses, and I think it can also be extended beyond that for all small businesses wanting to use Facebook ads to grow their audience, get leads, and make sales. She used to be in the halls of academia, and she's pursued a career as a freelance digital marketer. She specializes in Facebook and Instagram, and she works mainly with those environmentally friendly e-commerce businesses. But my favorite fact about her is that she once sent a slinky down the staircase of a 10-story building. So she's obviously got a bit of a fun factor too. Uh, she's When she's not working with her clients through her own business, the Ad Nomad, she's also working along with the Smart Marketer team, which is an incredible team of digital marketers, as a community manager for team traffic and train my traffic person. She knows her stuff, and I cannot wait to talk to her today about what you must do before you start spending that cent, one single cent, on Facebook ads with her today. So get ready for this. This is going to be a good session. I'm going to be taking notes myself because I feel like I know stuff in here, but I know she is going to have a whole lot of insight that I will not know myself. So let's get into this. Hi, and welcome to episode nine of Map It Marketing. I'm so excited because today we get to have Joe Murphy alongside with us. I, you can't see me, but I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, don't be a lady, be a legend, because Joe is definitely a legend. I want to thank you first, though, for just um, joining us today and listening to this podcast. We appreciate every person that listens to this so much, and I'm just so thankful that you've 
joined us today. Um, We're going to be talking today about how to make sure that you get your organic marketing and everything you can possibly do done right before you start Facebook ads. And it's an area that Jo is completely an expert in. I've I've raved about her in the introduction, but what I'd love now to do, Jo, and and welcome today is for you to maybe tell us a little bit about you and your background. Um, And for people at home, this is the second time we've done this because um, there was a technical issue. So um, poor Jo is having to repeat her awesome story twice, but I think it's really interesting and I want to hear it again. So I'm quietly quite happy about it. (laughs) Hi, Jo. (laughs) It's uh, no issues at all. And thank you so much for having me. Um, So as I was saying before to to you, not to all the people. um, So I used to, um, I used to be in academia. Um, I was um, in the film and television department at Otago and then at Monash. Um, And then my ex-partner, she became quite unwell and we needed to move into state. Um, And where we moved to, there weren't, any university jobs or anything like that so I sort of thought well you know I used to teach a lot of marketing maybe I can maybe I can do it so I um I found this guy on Gumtree which is sort of like the Australian equivalent of trade me and he was looking for someone to provide social media services to his clients so you know white labeling for his agency um and they were all natural therapies providers and this was eight years ago Mm. And back then there weren't really a lot of social media courses or anything like that. You just had to learn by doing. Um, And they all knew that I was completely green to actually, you know, doing all of this in practice. Mm -hmm. And it was great. Like I had, um, you know, so much freedom to just learn and experiment. Um, You know, had a really great time learning about organic social, the algorithm, how these platforms work and also how people use them. Um, how they want to connect with brands and businesses. Um, And then in 2014, um, I did an internship in Facebook ads and paid traffic with Angela Ponsford, uh, who back then was Dottie Media and now is a tier 11. And she's like, she's incredible. Um, And I really fell in love with paid traffic. I really loved how it was creative and analytical at the exact same time. Um, so I really shifted my business towards doing that and offering um, services and running paid traffic rather than doing organic social management. And then um, I split up with the um, with the partner I'd moved into state with and ended up going over to Cambodia during the rainy season. I'd never been there before, but I was like, I, you know, I was about to turn thirty. I was like, I just need to do something. So got on a plane to Cambodia and uh, from there I lived out of a backpack for two years. It's amazing. um, Travelling the world. (laughs) Yeah, it was was something. Um, So, yeah, went from Southeast Asia over to to North America and then down to Guatemala, Uh, travelled from there overland um, down to Bolivia and then up to Canada and then back over to Asia. And then into, like I was, I was on the road. Um, but I started and finished the journey in Southeast Asia. And the second time I was in Cambodia, which is like just my favorite place in the world, it was, I'd gone back again during the rainy season and it rained maybe two or three times. It That's should shocking. have been bucketing down every single day, but it was, yeah, it was, 
pretty bone dry. Uh, there were some really big issues with people in the provinces not being able to get medical supplies or medical support because the river was so low mm. that the boats couldn't move. Um, the farmers were really struggling. It was it was pretty bleak. And I just like, it's one thing to know that climate change is real and it's another to see the impact of it up close on developing countries. And I definitely seen that um, as I was traveling to other places as well, but it was sort of that you know comparative thing I saw in Cambodia that really drove it home and I just thought if I'm going to be convincing people to buy stuff which is yeah know, basically what my job is I um I want what they're buying to be trying to make the living planet better rather than hurting it I just couldn't justify contributing to that anymore um and I did have some reservations about it I was a bit concerned about what that would do for my business. Um, but I actually found that my business grew because there were a lot of people out there who, you know, wanted to work with a marketing specialist who had mm. the same values as them. Um, and so it ended up being a really good thing. And I also just love that I get to end each day feeling like I've done something to make the world a little bit better through the skills and experience that I have. Um, and then it would have been... Almost two years ago now, um, I started working with the team at Smart Marketer as a community manager, oh, cool. um, which has been really fun. Um, it's It's been a little bit challenging, like learning a new skill and new strategies and things, but I've been really, really enjoying it. Um, and that sort of feeds into my passion for social sustainability. Um, there's three different branches to sustainability, and social sustainability is one that I don't think people talk about enough. And it's basically like the way that we treat people has an impact on the future just as the same way just as you know how we treat the planet does so you know if someone goes to work every day and their boss is awful to them and they're working overtime and they're just constantly exhausted their kids are going to see that the people around them are going to see that and yes, think so that's true. what work is and then it has that generational impact you know if they see people in business being totally cutthroat mm. you know slamming other people tearing them down that's what gets normalized and then that ends up carrying on. Um, I absolutely love that idea because I do think that we don't often think about how our behaviours are actually impacting so many other people as they go out, do they? And um, I don't know if you know this, in New Zealand today, we're recording this a few weeks before it goes live, it's Pink Shirt Day Today, which is our anti-bullying okay. day. So it's a very awesome. on-point message for today because that's exactly what that's about is saying, hey, let's just not do that stuff because that's going to impact the way that other people are interacting with us timely very yeah timely. so um <laughs> yeah yeah smart marketer is an amazing amazing company to be working with um you know headed up by molly and ezra just really amazing values but also um my job with them is just to connect people with each other connect them with really great resources and just yeah um make that investment in social sustainability so that's i've been awesome. really really enjoying that um, I've actually, I'm actually studying for my second community management certification right now. Um, so going back to study has been kind of interesting. I feel like I need more highlighters than I currently have. But, um, <laughs> oh, I believe me. I think any excuse to buy stationery is a good idea. Yeah, for sure. So that's um, so that's sort of where I'm at now, and that's what I'm that's what I'm working on now, alongside um, yeah, a few other projects. I've just started out. Um, I've just signed up to Patreon. 
Oh, yeah. I'm challenging cool. myself to do one long form social media education written That's piece cool. every single day. I think and it's we'll a cool see how way that to pans get, out. Yeah, it's a cool way for you to get like paid for some of the stuff too, isn't it? Because you're giving so much free information around, but it is a way for people to sign up. Are you you're gonna do the paid where people can pay a bit of money to say thank you? Yeah, it's um yeah, it'll be five bucks a month. So very accessible cool. for people. But I think it's just yeah, I wanted a space where I could, you know get paid to do a bit more research to do sort of more in-depth think pieces um currently working on one about positive versus negative advertising and I was like well I mean experientially I know that positive advertising tends to work a lot better but I'm wondering if there's any research behind this and there is quite a lot and it's really Mm -hmm. quite interesting um that comparative advertising will turn off cold traffic but it actually works extremely well in the loyalty pillar which I thought was so interesting so that's the sort of thing I'm doing on Patreon is kind of yeah those sort of more in-depth research type stuff I love your I love your brain Joe because one of the things I noted is that idea with Facebook ads that it's creative and analytical at the same time because you actually have quite an unusual mix for a brain and that you've got both of those things inside there Um, it's one of the things I have a problem with with our team Um, not a problem but we have one of our team is actually my daughter Susie and she's off the charts when it comes to the creative side like she's amazing at content and does those and can kind of create these amazing funnels using content but we have to always use Tracy and our team to do the analytical stuff if it gets really tricky because that's how her brain works and both of them have to work together to have that in one body like one person that's quite a rare thing. That's pretty awesome, though. Like that's um, that's really cool that you've got two people who complement each other and sort of have those different strengths. I think, um, yeah, I think people often sort of don't think about that sort of those sort of collaborative ways of working. They sort of Mm -hmm. think they need one unicorn when sometimes you actually maybe do need two people. Um, Like for example, I like I get people asking me a lot if I do Google ads, and I'm just like, no. Like (laughs) the way that your brain needs to think and needs to work to do search marketing is so different and I have endless respect for the Google people I have a like a sort of vague understanding of all how of how it all works because I wanted to Mm. be able to work well alongside the Google people and I felt like it would help if I sort of understood their job but yeah it's definitely not I'm uh, appreciating that you call them the Google people because that's how I feel about it I actually feel that way about SEO like I think one of the things for me as a strategist is I used to feel quite guilty when I was giving everyone a marketing strategy and realizing that I was advising them on a few things that I would call my weaknesses, like SEO is a weakness for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I am great at the content marketing side, but uh, one of our team, another Tracy, was talking about how much she likes um, SEM Rush and how excited she gets when she gets the analytics. And I'm like, please don't. I just know every time I open it, (laughs) I get a panic attack. And I'm I'm so thankful for something like Nell Patel's Uber suggest because he puts everything in a way that my creative brain can understand but I can't anything that looks slightly technical I'm like no no can't do it (laughs) yeah I don't think there's any shame in admitting when you don't know something and I think it's you know one of the things I really like about the digital marketing community instead of Australia and New Zealand is that we do all have different strengths Mm. and different ways of working um when I was doing my master's at Otago my supervisor Kathy Kathy Fowler she if she didn't know something, she would always say, I don't know, but I will go and find out. I and like I was that. just like, this is like someone totally at the top of her game. And I've never met anybody who was actually really good at what they do, who 
it wasn't willing to admit gaps in their knowledge. I think you sort of they've got mm-hmm. past that point of ego. You have to. And you really have and that to. was what I was always sort of aiming for. I was like, I want to be somebody who is confident enough to admit when I don't know something. I you love know? it. Great. Now um yeah. what I wanted it's to tell you learn. It is. It is how you learn. And also, I think for me, like as someone who's helping small business owners like you are, when we are pushing ourselves to learn in a new space and getting our uncomfortable feelings around, oh, I don't like how it's stretching my brain or making me think or trying to change my mindset or learning around it, it does remind us what it's like for small business owners who when we go, you know, just do an Instagram post with a great caption and they're like, please, I don't really know how to do that. (laughs) It's hard. Yeah, I heard this thing that I really like and it's been helping me a lot with um, learning about community management. It's just everyone is always doing their best and Mm. some days their best is not amazing, but sometimes my best is not amazing either. I really like that. I read, um, I did one recently that was on a post. I read it from someone else and I stole it, but it was a job worth doing is worth doing badly. And what it was, it was a professor mm-hmm. who had said it and he was basically saying, you know, if it's a job that's really important to do, to learn to do it, you will do it badly. And some days even when you know how to do it, it's still bad. And I've been trying to get fit and I use that as my reminder to work out on the days where I don't feel like mm-hmm. it because sometimes I might just skip half the, fit, like half the session. But doing half of it's better than doing none of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and the delete button exists for a reason. If you write something that's <laughs> not great, you delete it and you, you can delete it. it. Like it's not, you absolutely um, can. There's no, there's no prizes for getting it right the first time, you know. That's so true. Now, what I wanted to talk to you about today was around the idea. Um, we often, both of us often have customers or we talk to people in small businesses who have either spent a lot of money on Facebook ads and not seeing results or wanting to jump into Facebook ads and start doing them. And there's a few warning bells that we often see and go, oh, I don't want to do that. And I know you've got a whole lot of information around this. For you, what are some things that you need to see in a business before you'd hit go on Facebook ads? Um, The first thing is the offer. I think a lot of people forget that you need to have something that people actually want or need that is going to make their life better in some way, is going to offer them some convenience or something. Like I'm really looking for some proof that their offer is viable. Um, And that may be that they've, you know, had some traffic to their website without even really doing too much marketing. It might be that they had a really successful crowdfunding campaign. Uh, It might be that they've just really done their due diligence and done a lot of research into the market that they, you know, know that what they're offering, um, you know, does meet a need. Um, The offer is definitely something that I am really looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing and sort of the second thing from there is the articulation of the offer um, on the website and on their other platforms. Like you can have a great offer, but if you're not communicating it well enough to people, like I can drive a huge amount of traffic to someone's website, but if their website isn't really showing people how this thing is going to make their life better or more fun or more fulfilling, then they're not going to buy. Like, you know, all the traffic in the world can't fix a a poorly articulated or a crappy offer. 
Um, it, that's really so that's true, something isn't else it? I'm looking for. Because we see that a lot in Facebook groups where they go, help, I launched my whatever business it was. Often it's like a swimwear brand or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had all this traffic to my site, but I haven't had any sales. What's going on? And and first, you know, we need to know that with most e-commerce business, between 1% to 3% conversion would be a normal average. Some some mm-hmm. convert higher, but generally that would be a, an average. So that would be the start. But, but often it's because... The pictures aren't resonating with people because they're poorly lit or they're out of focus or they're not showing the, the product. There's no interesting captions or descriptions of the product. Um, the user experience is bad. There's a whole lot of stuff, isn't there, that's causing that problem on that website. Yeah, and um, the unique selling point is something really important too. I mean, even if you're in a really saturated market, there's always ways to make yourself stand out. Um, And it can be, you know, your personal story of how you created it. Um, Mm. I worked with an amazing lady who was doing skincare for teens, which is definitely not an underserved market. But her story was that she was walking around the shops trying to find something for her son. And she just could not find anything that she felt okay putting on his skin. She just read all of these things, all of these labels. And she was just like, I just don't feel cool with this. Mm. Um, So she went out and developed it. So even though, you know, developed her product and even though she is in a fairly saturated market, that hook of, look, I'm a mum. I didn't really like anything else that was out there. I didn't feel okay with the chemicals that were going onto my kid's skin. So I spent a lot of time developing this. Like that's a really compelling hook. Um, so, you know, the stories that you tell around your brand, what makes you different, explaining sort of the processes behind what you created and why, Mm. all of those things. Um, I think good marketing is really about telling stories that impact and connect with people and that people are going to ultimately want to become a part of. Um, so I think that's something else that I'm really looking for is something that's going to draw people in and just make them go, wow, this is really cool. I want to learn more about this. Um, and then, you know, there's the technical nuts and bolts too. Like even if someone is really committed to buying, if you're, you know, if they have to jump through 20 different pages before they get to the cart, they're, they're going to give up, you know, so. Yeah, I, um, um, I, I emailed a friend last year because she's an artist. She's amazing. I, I've told the story actually on a previous podcast, but um, I her, her website, I went and bought three prints or I was going to try and buy three prints. But when you mm-hmm. added to the cart, the cart just disappeared. There was nowhere to find the cart after you added to it. So I spent like 45 minutes. I was so committed. I spent 45 minutes trying to find mm-hmm. this damn cart, <laughs> couldn't find it, and went off and couldn't buy the, couldn't buy the prints. Yeah, but your average buyer is not going to be that committed. No. Um, it's the same as when I do audits on people's organic social media and I scroll for 10 pages and I can't figure out what they're selling. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, no, like, you know, people like most people aren't going to be that committed um another thing i'm looking for is um a fairly active and compelling organic social media presence um because your cpms on your ads the cost of just delivering the ads is going to be much lower Mm. if facebook already knows that people like what you're offering um that they already you know like hearing from you facebook wants people to have good experiences on their platform so they'll stay on there longer they can be served more ads and like makes more money yeah um, so if facebook knows that you're bringing the goods and people want to hear from you they like hearing from you it's going they're going to charge you less to deliver those ads so can we just um, stop with that for a second joke because i think one of the things that i find people do is they get really angry at facebook for it not working mm-hmm. for them 
but they're not uh, they're not using it the way Facebook or Inst- Instagram is in there as well. People often don't realize that they own that you're not they're not using them in the way that Facebook wants them to use it, are they? There's definitely times when Facebook makes me want to throw my oh, laptop at the too. wall, me and too. there's some days we are just like, <laughs> you know, Merry Glitchmas, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think if you just keep in mind that ultimately the goal of the algorithm, like even though the algorithm does shift and change, the ultimate goal of the algorithm is and always has been to show people content that they're probably going to like and that they're going to connect with and it's going to keep them in the app longer. So again, they can be served more ads and Zuck makes more money. So if you're serving up content that people are really loving, that starts conversations, you know, that people really engage with, that they actively seek out, that they go look for you in the search bar, things like that, it actually isn't going to matter so much if the rest of your content's a little bit janky. Like that's going to be telling Facebook, this is somebody that people want to hear from. This is going to make them keep coming into our apps. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's ultimately just about realizing that the algorithm for all its bugs and its problems at times is just trying to create great experiences for people. And, and I think if that's you, so powerful, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, organic reach is definitely harder than it used to be. Things are getting more competitive. But if you're building real relationships and having real conversations with people, um, like one of my simplest tips for improving your reach is if someone comments on your post, when you reply to them, ask them a follow-up question and actually start a conversation rather than just saying, thanks for the message, you know, like, actually engage them in conversation and you will find that has a really positive roll-on effect. Ultimately, it's looking for connections, conversation and community. And so if you're doing that, if you're showing up on social and thinking, I just want to really connect with people, I want to offer them some support, some advice, some help, um, I want to make their experience of the social internet a little bit better today, um, you are eventually going to see some pretty positive results. I think um, that thing around asking question is such a good tip because I do know that for me there are definite regulars that comment on our posts and, and that you almost become mates, you're hanging out for them to reply on your emails and on your messages because it becomes really exciting. Mm-hmm. It's this lovely engaging kind of community that you build and so all of that's helping your ads, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, those super users are such a great resource and they're, you know, those brand advocates. Something that I also will sometimes do is if someone asks a question on a post and I know that person has bought that product or I know that they would be willing to talk about it or help, I'll sometimes tag them in and say, hey, that's a really great question. Um, here is my answer. I know so-and-so's bought this product. They might have something to add. That's and it makes cool. them feel like you value them as well. Um, and again, it's just that community building, introducing people, making connections. And I think sometimes as well, um, for me, I, I get engaged with things that spark my desire to play because when I'm coming on Facebook, even though it's my job, Facebook and Instagram, when I'm doing it for pleasure, is about me being in a relaxed, happy space. I don't want to get angry. If I get angry, it's because I'm hanging out in too many Facebook groups. But um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but sure. if, I, if I'm happy, like I remember um, there's a woman called Sisterhood of Style, um, Emma, and she did a post about a month ago where she went, um, someone had asked her 
had tagged a couple of people on an Instagram story about what are you doing on a Friday night and had put a picture of themselves and tagged a few people. And then she said, oh, I'm sitting back having a wine and tagged me and a few others. And then I tagged a few other people with what I was doing. And it was kind of a weird mm-hmm. chain mail thing, but it was so fun. And it felt like you're kind of in this big kind of party while you're sitting on the sofa, having a glass of wine in your PJs. Like it was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you sort of think of it as an online town square and you're, I mean, um, John Grimshaw, who I work with at Smart Marketer, made this comment the other day that I thought was just absolute genius. And it was very much um, about how what you get out of social media and what you get out of your ads is going to depend so much on what you put into them. Like if you show up with frustration, if you show up with disappointment, if you show up with a negative mindset, that's going to end up impacting what you're creating. And then that's going to end up being what you get back. So I think, you know, if you can approach it with curiosity, with excitement, with, hey, like I like an analogy you've probably seen me use in the groups a lot is, mm. you know, when someone comes up to you and they want to tell you about something that they're just so excited about and it doesn't matter if it's like beetles or pumpkin farming or whatever, <laughs> you kind of can't help but be impacted by their passion yeah, and want to hear more about this thing because this person is just so excited about it and it sort of like makes you think, wow, this must actually be really interesting if they're, you know, and I want to hear about it from this person who's so passionate and so engaged. And I think that's something we social as well. Like if you're about what you do and who you do it for, that ends up coming across and people are drawn to that. I love that. Now, um, I know we had a talk just before um, we started this podcast because one of the other things that can help with your organic marketing is email marketing. And we actually have a rule uh, with our team. Um, you're a Clavio user. I love Clavio. We think it's amazing. We're an active campaign. We use it for e-commerce and for services as well. But both of those platforms really encourage marketing automation. I'm not a, I'm not a MailChimp fan. Sorry, anyone that's using MailChimp. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just not a fan. Um, but 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 we we find that there's a secret kind of relationship or amazing relationship, symbiotic relationship between Facebook ads, really great social media, organic media, great functioning website, and then their email marketing. And do you see the same thing, that there's this amazing relationship between those two things or those things in particular, the email marketing and the Facebook ads, to get those that lift up? Um, it's definitely an ecosystem for sure, um, yeah. or that's the way that I usually refer to it. You know, if you're if everything else that you've got is kind of falling down and not working, your ads are just not going to succeed. Yeah. Um, I think email marketing is definitely something people don't utilise enough. Um the biggest referring channel for Black Friday last year, according to Shopify, was email. Um, I would have thought maybe it was ads, but it was email. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's getting, it is getting more expensive to acquire customers via ads. Ad costs are only going to keep going up. Um, and so if you want your business to, you know, to scale and to continue being more successful, you really need you really need to be investing in your loyalty pillar. Um, You really need to be investing in people who already bought from you and trying to continue that relationship. And I think email is a really amazing way to do that, Um, to continue sharing stuff with them, giving them offers, um, you know, talking to them about stuff that you're working on, things like that. I think, yeah, loving on your existing customers is something people definitely don't do enough. And email just offers a really amazing way to do that. 
And and I know this is a technical thing, which is fine for you because you love the analytics side, but for some of the listeners, they don't like it so much. But I think one of the things that's really powerful that we've been teaching our clients is, is with the iOS 14, their email lists, you can still use that data in Facebook. So if you're, if you're, emails are lovely and thriving and you've got a growing list, you can still be targeting those people on Facebook, which counteracts some of the other iOS 14 changes that have happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, there's there's so many things that you can do. I think people have got really concerned about that. And I think it is something, you know, iOS 14 is something to take seriously, but it's definitely not the end of the world. There's, I've been doing this long enough now I've seen so many things come up that everyone was like, oh my God, this is the end of advertising as we know it. And I'm always like, the only thing that would really be the end of advertising as we know it is if people decided that they were enough and suddenly had amazing self-confidence and no one could sell them stuff to improve themselves anymore. That would be the end of advertising as we know it. Um, well, for a lot of brands, yeah, it would that's be. That's so true. Um, that is so true. But, um, you know, it was like when campaign budget optimization came in and was going to be mandatory and everyone was like, oh, my yeah. God, oh, my God, oh, my God. But you just, yeah, yes, like yes. ultimately if you have something that people want and you are good at communicating with them and building relationships with them, whatever happens, you'll be fine. Like, you know, absolutely we're going to have to um, take more of a bird's eye view of our marketing efforts, um, you know, rely more on things like Google Analytics to get a better overall picture of how things are working. But to be honest, that was kind of already the case anyway, you know, with so many touch points now, like someone might have, you know, typed something into Google and seen your brand and then got distracted by a child and then, you know, forgot yeah, about exactly. it until they saw your ad. Um, and then they clicked on your ad and then signed up to your email list to get a discount again, got distracted or whatever, or thought, oh, you know what, well, I'll buy this when my pay comes in. When their pay comes in, they go to get that email and then go to the, like, so the email is going to end up looking like the final touch point before the purchase, but the ad and the Google marketing were also part of that. Mm. So attribution has been becoming much more complex for a really long time anyway. Yes. So, you know, I, I think this is kind of just maybe is, encouraging people to look at attribution a bit more. Yeah. You know, it is from, one of the from, reasons from a level up. It is one of the reasons that we do not do pay on results because um, like a scalp, we just have a, we put, we don't do that because there's so many ways you can attribute the sale, like active campaign and Facebook ads will often have the same attribution and Google, they'll all count the sale as their own sale. So you trying to work out who did it first. It can be often quite tricky. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're cutting out a little bit again. Occasionally you start sounding like the teacher from Peanuts. <laughs> okay, so hopefully I'll like... be okay. I'll keep you talking because you're doing great. So I'll just... I'll... <laughs> right. Hey, can I um, ask a question actually around um, sure. outsourcing? Because one of the things we see with small business owners, I, I talked to one recently, um, uh, we're probably going to do some work with her. You know, she's turnovers little, it's under 200K and she's paying out for a social media person, a Facebook ads person, a Google AdWords person. I look at the stuff and there's no not great captions. It's like really slack anyway. She has no idea, but all her money, like any bit of money that she's spending um, earning in her business is going straight out the door for outsourcing. What tips would you give anyone around doing their own social media? Because lots of people hate doing their own stuff. Like we don't do outsourcing. So I feel very safe in asking you this question. We don't, we don't do this stuff for clients. Um, what tips do you give people who, who want to outsource it? And what things do you think they have to own as part of their brand for doing this stuff? 
Um, so the first thing I always say to people is you want to be outsourcing from a place of this is not something I want on my own plate anymore. I don't want to invest the time in learning. I don't want to invest the time in you know, actually doing the nuts and bolts work. If I hand this off to somebody else, I've got time to spend on stuff that I actually need to be doing personally and will move the business forward. Um, you don't want to be outsourcing from a place of being overwhelmed, from feeling like you're never going to get it, from dodgy marketing companies telling you that you need to outsource and you'll never have any yeah. success on your own. Um, I actually think I actually won't take on clients who've never run their own ads. Like that's a yeah. hard line in the sand for me. That's good because though. I want them to have even a base understanding of how it all works because that means we end up having much more productive conversations. Mm. Um, but also it just means that, you know, um, they're not going to end up being taken for a ride. If they have a fair idea of how it all works, they're going to know if someone isn't, you know, doing what they should be doing. Um, also, like, you want to be outsourcing at a point where you're not going to just choose whoever's cheapest. You're going to choose whoever is right for your business. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, wine or tattoos. Like, you're not, you don't <laughs> want to be, I mean... I mean, you've probably seen me talking about this, but when you split down someone's hourly rate and it ends up working, like there was someone who posted in a group the other day, the daily rate for the price they were offering would have been $3.30. And yeah, that's crazy, right? And I'm just like, so thinking about that, do you really, like, even if those people are offshore or whatever, $3.30 a day is not going to let them really invest in your business and spend any time on your account, you know? Um, so yeah, so I do often recommend people split it down that way, like divide the amount per the number of days in a month and then look at how much they're actually paying this person per day. Um, because yeah, like you just, you know, if you want someone to be putting in some real effort and some re real hours, you have to pay them fairly. Like that's just kind of a given, I think. Um, so definitely worth waiting until you can invest a little bit um, to get someone who, you know, really knows what they're doing. Um, I guess the other thing I would say is that you don't have to outsource. <coughs> Sorry. Um, I think a lot of people feel like that's just a thing that you have to do. But I have a friend who's got a seven-figure e-commerce business and she loves ads. Like that's one of the parts of her business that makes showing up to work feel awesome. Mm. And so she's kept that on her own plate. And like, you know, most of my clients, that's the main reason they outsource. It's not because they couldn't do it themselves. It's because they want to invest their energy elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I definitely wouldn't ever, I don't know. I, ge I guess it's just like, don't outsource until you feel really confident in that decision. Mm. Um, you're doing it from a place of this is going to grow my business and I'm ready to invest in this. And then also um, take a little bit of time to find the right person for you. I don't think people invest enough or sort of pay enough attention to personality. Um, you know, there may be someone who is an amazing digital marketer, but all of the conversations you have with them are really awkward and it's, the relationship mm. just doesn't flow. And when you're trusting someone with your money um, and your business and allowing them to be the voice of your business, you want that to be a really good relationship where you can communicate right. with them effectively. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a phone, I mean, I'm, I'm not taking on any new ad clients right now, but I always have a, 
a phone call with people before I'll agree to take them on as a client. And every time that initial call has felt a bit weird or a bit awkward and I've still said yes, I've regretted it every single time. Yeah. Um, you know, you really want it to be someone you connect with. Um, I guess another thing I would probably say is definitely ask around uh, check in with your own intuition about things. You know, there's a lot of engagement pods right now. Uh, people will inflate their reviews by, you know, offering a free call in exchange yeah. for a review or something like that. So don't take things at face value um, is definitely what I would say. Um, you know, if someone is being recommended endlessly on every single thread and it looks a bit too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, and no, I do think that that's very true. Because also people, like I know... For you and I, um, you know, we, we often have like waiting lists for people to work with us. We mm-hmm. do give value in those groups, but we're not having to canvas in those groups. And often there's a sign. Exactly. Always going, use us, use us. I was one of those people. Like I've told the story on episode two, but we were a crappy business four years ago. We were a really crappy business and we didn't serve our clients. And um, we were we were using those groups to, to get clients because we didn't have great retention and we didn't have great repeat business mm-hmm. because we weren't doing a great job. So when you're seeing people all the time going in there and doing all the time, you've got to think, where's the hole? Like, why are they mm-hmm. always needing new people all the time? Because most people don't need that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of compassion for that with people who are, you know, scouting for business because everyone's a beginner at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Um, I've definitely yeah. been in that place myself. So I have a lot of compassion for that now. Um, I only get frustrated now when I see people doing really dodgy, underhanded stuff like uh, blocking everybody who's ever had an issue with them. Um, oh, that's, a, that's a big one. It's <laughs> pretty hard. Um, or, you know, blocking past customers who don't work with them anymore. Um things like that, people mm-hmm. who, you know, um, are part of pods where they all, you know, where they all recommend each other and, you know, it's not transparent that that's what it is. Um, Gosh, that I people just didn't think- even think that that was happening, Joe. Like, um, obviously, I just, I, I, I might, I don't spend a lot of time in those groups anyway, but wow, mm. really, don't you think? Because it's so hard for business owners to tell, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I will say, I think the majority of agencies and people are good like I think the cowboys just end up sort of like yeah they they end up sort of dominating people's view of agencies and of freelancers because you know those are the experiences that you end up hearing about the most or that um you know kind of dominate the conversation but yeah I I, I think if you do your due diligence if you make sure you really connect with the person um, if you are, you know, there's no reason not to ask to speak to other clients or past mm-hmm. clients. Um, you know, I, I think there's, yeah, there's no reason not to give somebody a go. I think as well, people get stuck on this idea that when you're working with one agency, you have to stay with them forever. Yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, if, if people are unhappy, I'm always like a good marketer, like a good agency is not going to be offended if you say, hey, I think that I need something else right now. Definitely. You know, they would probably see yeah. it as an opportunity to grow or they'd want to have a conversation about it and see if they can do anything, but they're not going to be offended. You know, maybe you want someone who, you know, maybe you feel like you've nailed it with, you know, your Facebook ads and you want to work with someone who, you know, has more of a PR focus or maybe, mm. you know, you want someone who's based in the same town as you. Like there was a business that I scaled from in the red to seven figures um, in less than two years. 
And there was nothing really wrong with the relationship. It's just they wanted someone who could come into their office and take photographs and they were based in New South Wales and I was at the time in Ecuador. So it makes it pretty tricky you know, to take the photos. Yeah. So that was all it was. And, you know, I wasn't offended by that. I was like, you know, absolutely makes sense that you would want, you know, someone who can come in and come to your photo shoots and be like, I want this, 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 and this for social. Can you set this up and make sure they've got all the photos they need and all of those things? You know, I was working with an accommodation provider in Byron Bay and I had left Byron. And so, you know, like sometimes relationships yeah. change and evolve. Um, that's actually something I often tell people to look out for is um, if you speak to an agency and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for you to sign up, that's often a real red flag. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know, so. It's, yeah. yeah. I think, um, yeah, after a while, you know, I, I definitely take things personally still. Um, like if a campaign for a client isn't working, I take that. Oh, me personally. too. I, I wake up in the middle of the um, night and spend time stressing about it. Oh, we have a client absolutely. at the moment where it's just things are not working in, in the middle part of her funnel and um, we have meetings about it yeah. as a team and we talk about it. I, I, but every time I get an email, you know, with, hey, you know, do any improvement? I'm like, we're working on it. We're still trying to work out how to make yeah. that better for you. Yeah. Uh, no, I yeah, think yeah. you can still, yeah, take things personally and be invested. But at the same time, you do learn after a while that it's not necessarily about you or it's not that they hate you or anything. It's just sometimes relationships evolve and need to change and, you know, and sometimes you're not the best person for the job. Um, You know, there was a photographer that I worked with and I really struggled. This was some years ago now before I switched to just being in e-commerce and, you know, I had to eventually be like, look, I think you need to work with somebody else. And, you know, I think, again, it's that thing of – you know, uh, losing your ego and, you know, yeah. being there to serve rather than to serve yourself. Yes. Yeah, so to true. sort of, you know, boost yourself. Now, I, I know that you said at the beginning that you're not currently um, taking on any clients. Do you have a waiting list, Joe? Um, people can definitely jump on a waiting list if they send me an email. Um, at the moment, my dance card for that is pretty full. Um, I do still have um, some resources and other things that people can connect with in the meantime. But yeah, for now, um, for now, if people want to look at um, working with me for ad management, best thing to do is just um, yeah, send an email. And even if I um, don't think I can take it on, I can probably connect them with someone who can. I've got some amazing media That's buyer awesome. friends. Because um, we we as an agency, we only do Facebook ads for people if we've done a strategy for them and sometimes a, a full mm-hmm. marketing strategy, partly because of the stuff that you talk about. So um, it's really nice to know that you've got connections for people where we can go, hey, look, if you only want the Facebook ad thing, you've done your strategy with someone else, you don't need that, um, mm-hmm. Joe might be able to put you in the right place. So to get hold of you, how would they get hold of you? Uh, my email is joe at the adnomad.com because I used to be a digital nomad running Facebook ads. That's such so, a yeah, cool, joe at the adnomad.com. So cool. It's me. <laughs> that is so cool. I want to say thank you so much for your generosity in today. Um, I know that um, we had a few sound issues and, and you were very um, patient with us re recording the beginning. So thank you. And I, No worries you, um, at all. It was just a lovely, it was lovely to have it. You, you're so wise. And I really love. Um, you can tell you're passionate about it and you can tell you take it seriously. You can tell you've got this depth behind you that's actually really rare to see in the space, you know, so thank you. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, And if people do want to sort of stay in conversation with me ongoing, I do have that Patreon project as well. Oh, where do you Um, find that? How do they find you? Sorry? How do they find you for that? 
Uh, if you head to Patreon, I can give you a link for show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the show Joe notes. Murphy, yeah, Joe Murphy, the ad nomad, into Patreon. My page should come up. And I'm, yeah, like I say, challenging myself to write one post a day. So you should get some pretty good content through there. That's amazing. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I I feel like this is a stage of my life where even though I have a toddler and he kind of clashes with that a little bit, (laughs) I'm trying to uh, get some discipline and structure into my day. So I think having that daily challenge is going to really... It's going to help me lift my game on that. It's, that's awesome. Just um, I, I wrote 27 books um, when I was, my kids were under five and mm-hmm. they burnt out. So just be aware that if you do too much writing. Uh, I, um, I burnt out when I was in academia and yeah. Uh, yeah, burnout is a very, very, very serious thing. So I'm yeah. definitely not going awesome. down that road again. But but I'm, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to make that part of our marketing budget is to sign up and read. Awesome. I, think I, would love that. Well, I mean, $5 a month. I know it's pretty. Yeah, I, I don't know. I might have to go and ask uh, for permission, but um, <laughs> you might have to seek some government funding or something. I don't know, but I'm sure you I'm can figure it out. Yeah, or maybe I can sell a child. I've got three. Maybe I can do that. Yeah, I mean, if you have got, if you've got three, why not? <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a huge pleasure, and <laughs> no worries yeah, at all. Looking forward to people listening to this soon. I was really taken with the depth of knowledge that Joe has around the digital landscape and building those community bases of trust and communication and helping people get that engagement and fandom around your brand. And this whole podcast is around how to make sure that you do the right tasks before you start spending money on Facebook ads. So I want to just briefly summarize and get you to work through and check how do you make sure you're doing this. And we add this in the promotion part of our Map It Map when we're talking about Map It as a whole marketing strategy. So before you spend a cent on Facebook ads, here's some things you need to make sure first. The first one is you need to make sure your message you're offering is really clear on your website and appealing to your target market. In episode seven, we talked about how to make sure that your website is functioning really well, particularly for e-commerce. So that might be worth a listen if you haven't listened to that already. While you're doing that, it's a really good idea too to make sure it's easy to buy from you on your website, that you're not putting barriers in place to make it impossible for people to do that. If you're not getting organic sales, adding money into it isn't necessarily going to get you more sales. Then you need to look at your social media. Work on creating content that people comment on. Uh, You need to see social media as your town square. In our next episode, uh, which is one that I'm doing by myself, I talk about how to create really engaging content. It's called Be a Goat in a Tree. So it might be able to help you if you're a bit stuck there. You need to reply to comments and build a community of people who are fans. Make sure you're coming back and talking to people and replying to them to get them to follow you and talk to you more. The more they engage with you, the more they're likely to see future posts. And this is super important. Then you need to make sure that you've got regular emailing. Emails help connect with you, your existing fans and your customers and help them come back to you again and again. If you can't build business with repeat business or word of mouth, it's very difficult to use paid ads to do the same thing. It might mean there's something broken in your business. Then once all of that is done, it's a really good idea to learn how Facebook ads work. Whether you're going to outsource them or not, you need to know the standard and level of what you should be expecting and what should be happening. Service-based or e-commerce ads are very different in terms of structure. They have different needs. They have different calls to actions and different things that you need to be focusing on. And if you don't know how Facebook ads work, you're really open to being swayed by someone who's saying they're doing them 
but it isn't serving your business and it can rip through your budget really fast. So before you start spending money on Facebook ads, follow those things, walk through those things. Facebook ads will always be there. Google ads will always be there, but just make sure first you've got the framework and the foundations first to get that organic marketing working best first. Look forward to talking to you next week. It is me next week, and I'm going to be talking about how to be a goat in a tree. Can't wait to you tune in. Thanks for tuning in today to Map It Marketing with me, Rachel Claver. Make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you want notes or information about today's podcast, go to rachelclaver.com slash podcast for more information.